1 Corinthians chapter 9. We'll start in verse 24. We'll read down through 27. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that you may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainty, certainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And we talked about this last week. We started uh, on this uh, specifically at the end of verse 24. If you're looking at your Bible, it says at the end of that verse, it says, so run that you may obtain. And there's a couple of thoughts in that scripture. And we want to pick up on this uh, and kind of continue from last week. So run that you may obtain means to seize or to lay hold upon. And we answered the question last week of, of motive. Of motive, why do you run? Paul, why do you run? I run to obtain. I, I press towards the mark, right? And so there's a there's a a couple of questions that are answered in the phrase or in this in the part of the scripture that says, so run that you may obtain. Everybody that's in a race is running. They're all lined up, they're all starting when the gun goes off, they're all running. But only one receives the prize. Right in a natural race, and they're but they're running for the prize. They do it to to obtain a corruptible crown. The Bible says, and remember we talked about this. Probably what what the Apostle Paul was referring to was the Isthmian Games, which uh, which were tied in with the religious ceremony as well. They would box, they would wrestle, they had uh, distance running, they had horse races, chariots races, uh, all kinds of competitions. And the winner would get this wreath that was placed around their head and be recognized for a moment, okay, for an hour, and, and that they trained for that moment. And they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. But we, an incorruptible, the Bible says, and so there's two, to me, there's two uh, parts to this. So run that you may obtain. So run, in other words, run to obtain. Run for the purpose of obtaining the incorruptible crown. Has to do with motive. Then the other, so that answers the question, why? Why do you run? You go to some, somebody that's training for a year before these games, these competitions. Or, or, or they're training uh, boxing. They're getting beat up and, and beating somebody up and, and doing rigorous training for this fight that they're going to have when these games roll around. He said, why do you do it? He said, I want to I receive that crown. I want to stand up there before my peers and before men. And I want to stand on the podium and I want to be recognized as the winner before men. So that would answer the question, why? Okay? And we looked at that last week. But the other part to this, so run that you may obtain, the so part to me is run in a manner that will result in you obtaining the prize. You understand what I'm saying? There's a motive and there's a manner. There's a will and a purpose and the, and the manner answers how do I run, not why. Because we've already settled that. All right? Uh, we, we talked about it last week. Jesus, the Bible says in the motive part, 
endured the cross, despising the shame, because for the hope that was set before him. So why did our Lord and Savior die on the cross? Well, he died for the sins of the world. And so forth. Why did he do it? He says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross in Hebrews chapter 12. So there was something set before him, not a corruptible, perishable crown like a wreath that these winners of these games would win, but an incorruptible. They, the natural athletes, natural businessmen, whatever it may be, all those things are not wicked. They're not necessarily sinful, but they are temporal, aren't they? Those are corruptible prizes. There are corruptible rewards. Corruptible means they decay, they perish. And they do all that they do to obtain that. Now, Paul says, we do it for an imperishable, incorruptible crown that doesn't fade away. Jesus did the same. He endured the cross for the joy, despising the shame. There's a lot of shame associated with dying on a cross. That's how the criminals died. That, there was, that's how the, the cursed would die. And yet, He died, our Lord and Savior, on the cross. He endured the shame because he, he saw the reward that was coming. right For the joy that was set before Him. So there's a cross set before Him. But behind the cross, He sees joy set before Him. Bringing many sons to glory. Having that glory that He had, His own glory, restored back fully. Back when he, in His resurrected life. Back with the Father. And, and bringing people out of sin and bringing them out of darkness into His light and saving them and making them part of His family. This, this was behind the cross even. The cross was set before Him and behind the cross was a joy set before Him. Amen? So if that would answer the question for our Lord, why did He go to the cross? Well, He's to save sinners. But there was a joy set before Him. And same for us. So run that you may obtain. We looked last week at uh, the motive. Okay, the motive. And I'm going to talk about it just very briefly. Why, why is it that we live the Christian life the way we do? Why do we run the race? Why did we come to church last Sunday and we're back again today? You understand what I'm saying? Isn't it enough just to die and go to heaven? I mean, isn't that enough? Why did we uh, come to Sunday school last week and again this week? And if the Lord tarries, we'll be back Wednesday night and, and Sunday as well. Why do we do these things? You, you and I have to have a purpose and a goal and a reason for living for Jesus. There has to be something in our hearts that motivates us. That's the why part. So run that you may obtain. Do you see in your heart of hearts, in your mind, and in your heart of hearts, the prize that is set before? Not that we see it perfectly like exactly how it's going to look or feel. But do we have that etched into our minds and sort of engraved in our hearts what the Lord has in store for us? The Bible says, I had not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love Him. Now, if it stopped right there, it would still be a wonderful Scripture. We'd say, oh, that's wonderful. God has amazing things set before us. But it's the next part of the next verse it says, but the Spirit had revealed them. So there's some measure, I don't think it's full disclosure, but there's some measure of knowing 
that's real. It's from God to the saint of God. From heaven to the man who's saved but still on earth. There's some taste of heaven. There's some glimpse of, glimpse of heaven. And I mentioned this last week in Ecclesiastes. There's, I think it's, I, don't, I forgot the exact verse. Uh, but in the Revised Standard Version, it says that for He, the Lord, hath set eternity in the hearts of men. There's a knowing. I think even for lost men, there's a knowing that there's something beyond the grave. They might not care to admit it. They might shove those thoughts at the back of their mind and say, we just go into the ground and that's it. But God has set eternity in the hearts of men. And for a believer, He has set the hope of eternity that it's going to be blessed, right? You and I don't dread eternity. We might not look forward to dying per se or some kind of pain associated with physical death or want to get sick or anything like that. But we don't fear eternity because God has said it in our hearts as believers that the sting of death is sin. But thanks be to God who's removed that. Amen? Through Jesus Christ. So there is no sting. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? It's almost a mocking for the life of God in us, mocking and ridiculing death, because I'm not afraid of that. Because the strength of that and the sting of that and the pain of that is sin. But God has removed that and the curse of that from our lives. You might have a lousy life, you think, even as a believer. You might have a lousy job. Things might not be the way you want them to be. But if you're born again, that has been removed from our lives. There's not a fear of eternity. So we're answering the question, so run that you may obtain. Do I, first of all, have this desire and hope from the Lord in my heart? In my heart of heart. It comes along with knowing with God. Knowing God. It comes along with, with knowing Jesus and walking with the Lord in a new birth. A lost person doesn't have that hope. They might try to pump themselves up and get all excited about, uh, about the future, but, but they're sure not excited about it like in reality. But the Lord puts that into the hearts of His people. Do I first, am I first of all convinced of it? And do I long for it? In other words, what, what God has set before me. Jesus had endured the cross for the hope that was set before Him. Do we esteem the eternal rewards of Christ to the point where it's worth it to us. We're still talking about motive here. So run that you may obtain. Is it worth it? Because for a lot of people, it's not. We mentioned Demas. So we can mention other people. But Demas is mentioned in 2 Timothy uh, where Paul says, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Now, Demas in some of the earlier epistles was a co-laborer in the Gospel with the Apostle Paul. He must have been given his life to the Lord and rolled up his sleeves and put his hands to the Gospel plow, so to speak. And he was working with Paul in some manner bringing this Gospel. And he probably faced persecution and so forth for it. But there came some point in his life where if you'd have asked Demas, is it worth it? Maybe there was a measure of persecution. Now I'm speculating because we don't know. Was there something he faced that where he was offended? Because that's given in the parable of the seed and the sower. They received the seed with joy. It's the, the biblical word is anon, with joy. 
They, they receive the gospel and they say, yes, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to turn life. I want to go to heaven when I die. This is great. But by and by, for the word's sake, they're offended. In other words, they begin to get ridiculed. They begin to face a measure of persecution. They begin to find out that living for Jesus costs something. Salvation is free, but living for God costs something among a lost world of people, right? And they by and by they're offended and, and they, they were scorched. That's the one that, that there wasn't much earth in the ground, the soil, and they couldn't get roots. And so when the sun scorched him and they withered away and brought forth no fruit. That could be like Demas. He came to a point, all we know for sure from the Scriptures is that he forsook the Apostle Paul. And in, in the context, he, is, he forsook the Lord as well, having loved this present world. But we're told not to love the world, neither things that are in the world. All that's in the world is going to pass away. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. He that lo- if any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The world passes away in the lust thereof, but he that does the will of the Father abides forever. And so, we're answering the question of motive right now. Do you, sitting right here in these pews, in these chairs today, do you have the purpose and the goal in mind that the Lord has placed there by His Spirit, a glimpse of eternity to see it, to know and be convinced by faith that heaven is real, the streets of gold are real, Uh, No more tears. That's real. No more pain. No more crying. Reigning and ruling with the Lord Jesus Christ. No more sickness. Eternal life. And the Lord will be in the midst of His people. And we'll see Him face to face. And we'll serve Him. And we'll have freedom for the river of life and the tree of of life. And to worship God forever and ever. And to reign with Almighty God. Do you believe that? Not in your minds and say, well, that's what the Bible says. But do you have some knowing in your heart of hearts that that's real? And are you convinced that it's worth whatever it takes between now and there to get there? Now, the Lord's going to get me there, but it's worth it for me to to keep my hands to the plow. It's worth it for me to continue to run the race. I don't want to be Demas. I don't want to be of those that Paul mentioned in Hebrews that says we're not of those, chapter 10, of those that draw back to perdition. But we're those who believe to the saving of the soul. And so there are those that can believe and then fade away like in the parable of the seed and sower. They believe at some point and then they drift back into unbelief. Okay, we see that, and I, uh, I want you to, to uh, well, I'll just give the scripture here if you're taking notes. Second Timothy 1 12, for which cause I suffer these things. Now, remember, Second Timothy, that, that epistle, four chapters, it's the last things that Paul wrote before he was beheaded. By this time, he knew he was going to be beheaded. We'll read the scripture later in the, in the message. He knew that. He had been spared out of other things. He was stoned and left for dead. He was let down out of a window in a basket one time to escape persecution. But this time was not, it was not for him to escape persecution. This was the Lord's bringing a completion to his earthly life and he knew it. And so the things that he's writing are coming from that perspective. And he says, for which cause I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And I'm persuaded 
that he is able to keep all that I've committed unto him against that day. And so, that's some wonderful scripture. We could just stop and preach that right now. But the point is that Paul, at the end of his life, his life as a believer was much harder than his life as a Pharisee before he knew Christ. But his life as a believer was the life he loved and the Lord that he loved. And he was hanging on through this life and the Lord was hanging on to him because the rewards that were set before him were worth it to him. He, I'm, I am persuaded. First of all, I'm not ashamed. Okay? I know whom I believe. So that, that knowing by faith, right? Every believer has to be convinced of this. We have to be convinced of Christ. He is who He says He is. He's done for me what He says in His Word He's done. He will do for me what He says He'll, he'll do for me in, in the future in His Word. I believe that. Okay? And I'm, I'm persuaded that He's able to keep all that I've committed unto Him against that day. That day when He calls me home. That day when, when uh, I'm at the judgment seat of Christ perhaps. But all that I've committed to the Lord in this life by faith that I've given, I've, I've forsaken lands and homes and family and I've committed all that to the Lord. Popularity, comfort. Uh, uh, all that I've committed to the Lord. My heart, my mind, my soul, my eternity. All that I've committed to the Lord, I'm convinced He's got it. And there's going to be a wonderful, glorious reward. Or rewards, plural, coming. And He's able to keep. And so the believer by faith believes that. This is why we run. And I'll just, then, if, again, if you're taking notes, Hebrews 11, 13, and 14 and verse 16. These all died in the faith. We mentioned this scripture last week. These are Old Testament saints. Some were mentioned, some were not. We knew about Enoch and, and Abel and Noah and Joshua and Abraham and Sarah. And, and we read about these. And, and then the other nameless ones. These all died in faith. Not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims. A stranger is an alien. That means you're not home. A pilgrim means you're not here for long. You're passing through. We are both as believers as these saints were. But they were convinced and persuaded by the evidence in their heart. That's a, that's a definition of the word that they were persuaded of them. It means they were convinced by inward evidence. God puts that inward evidence by the Holy Spirit. Same for the Apostle Paul. And that there are strangers and pilgrims on earth, for they that such, say such things declare plainly that they seek a country, but now they desire a better country that is a heavenly. They desire that. Do you? Do do I? Because I ought to put myself right in the middle of this scripture. Stick Randy in the middle of that, okay? Or any one of you, put yourself there. Do I? Am I persuaded of the promises? I haven't received everything God has promised. I haven't received a glorified body yet. I haven't received no more tears. I still cry a lot of tears. Different things. Some of joy and some of pain that hurt. I haven't received a body that doesn't get sick anymore. You understand what I'm saying? There's a lot of things. I have a lot of questions. I have, sometimes I'm confused. Sometimes I get weak in the faith and I doubt. All that's going to end. Faith will end in sight. We haven't received all of our promises yet. But am I 
Randy, am I, have I received the promise from God? Well, we have in His Word, right? Do I, am I persuaded of them? Do I embrace them and make them my own? Do I confess this world is not my home? I'm passing through. Do I desire a heavenly city that's better? And it says, they desire a better country that is a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For He had prepared for them a city. It's another promise. Because it's not just for these Old Testament saints. There's a holy city of God He's prepared for all those that have put their trust in Jesus. Old Testament and New Testament saints. We have to be convinced of this. We have to be persuaded of it. We have to be like David in the Psalms where he says, My heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. I won't be turned. I can't be turned from this life. I'm not going to be a Demas. I'm not going to be those that shrink back. Uh, Though He slay me, Job says, yet will I trust Him. There has to be. This is by faith, y'all. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And we're hearing it this morning. And you go on your own and you read your Bible and you pray to God. And the Lord takes the, the promises from the printed page by the Holy Ghost and He prints them on our heart. And they're there. And we mentioned like a persecuted Christian in a North Korea prison or a Saudi prison right now. It's a believer. And they're in a cold, damp, dark cell away from their families and they're eating bugs or whatever they have to to survive and been beat up in black and blue. And before they can heal, they get beat up again. They have to have this convinced, this conviction and convincing in their hearts that this race is worth it. I will not be turned. I will not be turned like a Demas. I'm not drawing back like those under perdition. I want you to turn with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter 3. We all know the passage. We could probably quote most of this, but I want us to read a few, few verses. We could read the whole chapter. But look at verses 13 and 14. Philippians 3, 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Now, he's already saved. By the time he wrote this, he had been saved for a long time. He's not doubting his salvation. He's talking about continuing to run in such a way that he receives everything that the Lord has for him. He doesn't shrink back. And he doesn't draw back. And he doesn't apostatize. He doesn't fall away from the faith. I don't count myself as to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth, it's always before us, y'all, Unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. It's very similar to they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. So run that you may obtain. Paul's saying, I'm running it that way. I esteem all my former earthly, worldly progress and gain and riches, he says, as dung compared to knowing Christ and the things of Christ that He has for, more, for me. So, but in the midst of this, y'all, and I'm going to transition on, there's also the how. We've established motive. And if that's not fully established in your heart, you need to get with the Lord and pray and seek the Lord and say, convince me, Lord, I'm, I'm, you know, from Your Word, by Your Spirit, would You make heaven, which is future, more real to me now? on this earth, that I would esteem the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. 
like Moses, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Make me like that. It's a great prayer. Amen? But then there's a how. How do I run or fight to not miss that? How do I run to be successful with that? So skip down to verse 16. Nevertheless, whereto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. So every believer is to walk the same walk. We talk about this often. The specifics in your life. You're going to be single. You're going to be married. You're going to have a secular job. You're going to be in full-time ministry. All those things. You can live here. Live in a foreign country. You can live a long time. Live a short time. That's all up to God. Those things are different. But 99.9% of it's the same. Everything we read in the Bible is the same for all every believer. The walk is the same. The race is the same. The fight is the same. The enemy is the same. The Holy Ghost is the same. The goal at the end is the same. Jesus is the same and He's worth it. You understand my point? All of that's the same. It's wonderful to walk like we are right here in this church with like-minded people. It's wonderful uh, because we're running the same race and it's not just one of us that's going to obtain the prize. This is not the 100 meter dash and one person's going to get there first. It's... It's all of us dragging each other on. When I'm weak, you pull me on and provoke me on. When you're weak, I provoke you on. And we provoke one another to love and good works. And we're saying, we're all going to get there. We're going to get through this life. You're going to get through this trial you're going through. You're going to get through this persecution you're going through. You're going to get through this hurt and this rejection you're going through. You're going to get through it. God's going to help you. And then tomorrow, you're going to be helping me. Okay? And we're going to get by the grace of God because He's going to get us all there. So we mind in our walk, we walk the same walk. Verse 16, we mind the same rule, the same instructions from the Lord of walking in the Spirit and walking in the light of His Word. But how do I, as a born-again man or born-again woman, live this life? So so run that you may obtain. This to me, we're transitioning into, I know it's worth it. Now, how do I run? How do I live day to day to where I'm successful? To where I reach heaven with a full reward? To where I glorify God as much as I can glorify God on the earth? You understand what I'm saying? To avoid pitfalls and traps and, and landmines and things like that. So I don't, to where I'm not a Demas. How do I navigate and live this life day by day? So that answers the question, so run that you may obtain. How do I finish successfully and not miss? And to me, this is just discipleship. This is just not evangelism. This is for the person that's born again. Now I'm a disciple of Christ. I'm a follower of Christ. He says, take my yoke and learn of me. Right? That to me is discipleship. You've seen what a yoke looks like. Uh, Taught it to the kids at Foxy's and I printed out a picture of one of these old wooden yokes and I showed a photo of you know, two big ox pulling a wagon and they're yoked together. And you don't, if we're yoked together with Christ, we don't go where we choose to go. We go where the Lord leads. But that's where we want to be, right? We might think, Lord, wouldn't, you know, I'm yoked with Jesus. And say, Lord, wouldn't we better be better off over here? And he says, no, I know which way is better. Lord, we really going to go down that dark valley right there? We're going to go through that lonely time? We're going to go through that hurt time. We're going to go through that sickness. That's really, this looks a lot better over here. But I'm yoked together with Christ. And He's the Lord. 
and I'm being discipled, and he's growing me. That walk is the same for all of us, right? Take my yoke and learn of me. We mind the same rule, and we run the same race. There are some little differences in it, but overall, the nature of the race is, is the same. A man can have, or an athlete or a boxer, can have the most solid motive, fully convinced that the prize is worth it, and their will is set and they're inspired to run, even to the death, okay? And yet, they may, they may be fully convinced that it's worth it to endure hardships and yet not run in such a way as to be successful. Does that make sense? A believer can believe everything about heaven. I don't want to miss it. And I can't wait to see Jesus face to face and that's worth it all. But they still may not run in a, the right way. It's not just enough to have a motive. We have to walk in light of God's Word. We have to be led by the Spirit daily. In our daily things that we abstain from, in the daily things we, we partake of. We, we have, a person can be fully convinced that the reward is worth it and not run in such a way as to obtain. I want to give a quick uh, little story here. In 1960, there was a famous race in Canada. And it was known because these racers were getting faster and faster. I know this was before my time, but uh, it was a big deal in athletic history when the first run runner broke the four-minute mile. I don't know if y'all have ever heard. It, when somebody ran a mile under four minutes, it was huge. And, and it was building towards it where, where one of these two runners was going to do it because they were getting faster and faster in their competition. And it was like somebody that's, you know, trying to hit, break the home run record and they're one, one away. So people are going to every game to see, they want to be at the game where they break the record. Well, so they knew one of these two guys was going to break the four minute mile. One was John Landy and one, the other was Roger Bannister. And these two guys are running and John Landy is winning the race and he's about to break the four minute mile. When he got about 200 yards to go, he looked over his shoulder to see where Bannister was, where Roger Bannister was. And when he looked behind him, Bannister passed him on the other side, okay, and won the race. He's the one known for breaking the four minute mile. He's the one that ran the race. And uh, this man, John Landy, I'm sure he had all the motivation in the world. I'm sure his will was fixed and his purpose and it's worth it to me and he's training and eating right and putting himself through all kinds of rigorous training to, and it was worth it to him. But yet he didn't run in a manner to be successful. And the same for a believer. We need to have the goal set before us and we have to be convinced of it. Having been convinced of it by the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, by the Word of God, I need to daily run the race because I don't know how long we'll be running. God may call us home today, right? We may, we may live another how many years. But between now and then, there's a manner. There's a way, right? There's a proper way to run. And John Landy, I'm sure an excellent runner, you know, close to breaking the four-minute mile, but he took his eyes off of the finish line. We can't do that. That's not the right way to run. 
he took the eyes off the finish line, which is about 200 yards away, for it was nothing for somebody running a mile. 200 yards is nothing. And at that point, he looked behind him and took his eyes off the prize. He took his eyes off the finish line and looked behind him. And we just talked about those in Hebrews. And it says, had they been mindful, they could have gone back. We didn't read that portion of the Scripture. In other words, if they kept calling to mind, boy, in Egypt, we had good food to eat. They could have gone back. But you have to keep your eyes on the prize of Christ. This is part of our, our way, not only the goal and the motive, but to run in such a way that I keep my eyes fixed on that. That I remind myself daily, I'm a child of God. I'm living for God. I'm living with God. To remind ourselves of that. How does He say to run? How does He say to walk? I don't want to miss Him, certainly. And I'm not talking about just losing your salvation. But I don't want to miss out on anything that He has for me. I want to run successfully. And so it cost that man, John Landy, the race. And probably if I wasn't... I've actually heard of Roger Bannister. I, I know all about... You know, studied... I just... Not study, but interested in sports and athletics and stuff. Not that I'm a, a, a runner by any means. But I've always knew about Roger Bannister breaking the four-minute mile. That was a big deal. I didn't know about John Landy. You see what I'm saying? You know about the one that won. And we want to keep our eyes on the Lord. So every man, God has set out for us in His Word the way for every man to run. So it's not, not just grabbing at straws and hoping and wishing to find the right way. And really, it, it personally bothers me, and I know that it must grieve the Lord when somebody says, you know, you're saved and I'm saved. You, you just... That's how you like to do your Christianity, but I like to do my Christianity this way. It shouldn't be like that. It should be we all go to the Word of God, and whether that's the way I wanted to do my Christianity or not, I need to defer to the Word of God. We talk a lot about the Word. Well, I'm not talking about differences in taste, and, and, and I'll throw these out sometimes. This church meets on a Wednesday night for the midweek service. This one decides to do it on a Tuesday or Thursday. That's not, that doesn't matter. That's not affecting the race. This, song, this church does must, mostly hymns, but they're very honoring to God. This church does uh, a lot more contemporary music, but it's of a good spirit and it's honoring to the Lord. I'm not talking about that. Okay? I'm talking about you, you say, well, I'm. You do your Christianity and you try to be really holy and you don't go watch filthy movies, but I'm okay with that. No, God has a problem with that. And as a believer, I'm offended by that. You understand what I'm saying? It, we're the same. Let's mind the same rule. Walk the same walk and mind the same rule. Those kind of things that are morals and, and that are spiritual specifically laid out in the Word of God. I'm not talking about inventing things and adding and adding them to the Bible as some more cumbersome rules to live by. I'm just talking about the Scripture and the, and the Spirit of God enlightening, uh, illuminating those Scriptures to our hearts. That's how we're to walk. And it's, it's not going to be different for D and then different than they would be for me or for, for Gabby or Sherry. It's not different in the sense of what God's Word is, is what His Word is. Holiness is holiness. 
You know what I'm saying? And so we have to uh, mind the same rule. And, and we need to be led by the Lord. I don't want to live a Christian life that's vain. I'm truly saved, but yet most of my life was spent in vanity. Most of it was empty, pointless. Uh, it's going to just get in by the skin of my teeth. We're all going to make it in only by the blood of Jesus. I understand that. I'm not even talking about that. But some are going to make it in with the full reward. And some are going to be saved, yet so is by fire. Every single thing, every single thing as a believer that they did, as a Christian, not B.C. before Christ, but as a believer, everything they did is going to be burned up. They'll go in empty-handed and have nothing reward to cast to the feet of Jesus. They'll be saved. They'll be happy that they're saved. They'll be joyful for all eternity. But I don't want to be one of those, nor would I want you to be one of those that enters heaven empty-handed. What did you do with your salvation? Salvation is an awesome thing. What did you do with it? It's an amazing, salvation is an amazing thing. What did you do with your saved life? Did the Lord... Did, did you have faith? Did the Lord use you to raise the dead, heal the sick, preach the gospel, cast out demons, love like He loves? You understand what I'm saying? Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. What did you do with your salvation? Did you bring anybody with you? That I know that God saved them, but did you bring your sheaves with you because you're a soul winner and, and the Lord, you were burdened. You got rejected, 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 rejected. But here's one, Lord, that got saved. You understand what I mean? I don't want to enter heaven empty-handed. We're all going to enter heaven if we're born again. I'm not saved by the works that I do. But I can go into heaven having something to cast at the foot of Jesus, feet of Jesus and say, you're worthy. I want to live for God is what I'm saying. I know that you want to as well. And so God lays it out for us. He lays out salvation in His Word for men, how to be saved. And then somehow believers think there's a, a Christianity of the month flavor. You understand what I'm saying? We're all saved through the blood of Jesus, but after that, they kind of spread out and scatter. And there's many different Christians. You find that many different ways to live the Christian life. I'm not saying that I have the perfect way. I don't stand before you and say that. I'm running the race. I think I'm supposed to. But I do defer to this right here. You understand what I'm saying? I do find my race to run and how to run it from the Bible. And I'm open to be corrected if you from the Bible could say, Randy, what you're preaching is wrong here or how you're living is wrong here. Then please show me. But I, this is what I want to do. Okay? And again, you have people say, that's how you want to live as a believer. I want to live like this as a believer. But really... We ought to all be subject to the authority of Almighty God. We came in one way through the narrow gate. Jesus said, I'm the door by me. If any man enters in, he'll be saved and come in and out and find pasture. There's only one way to salvation. And guess what? There's really only one way to, to be discipled. And, and, and that's taking the yoke of Christ and immersing ourselves in the Word of God and hiding it in our hearts that we don't sin against Him. His Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. That's, that's the same. Jesus, it's a, it's a life 
with, with the Savior. I'm a new creature, but the new creature in Christ also has a new life to walk. God doesn't say, I'm going to save you and then let you figure it out. Does He do that? Most of the New Testament, most of it, is not telling you how to get saved. Most of the New Testament is telling the believer, here's the way, walk in it. Here's how you live the life. Here's what you do. Here's how your prayer life should be. Here's how the gifts of the Spirit should work in your church. Here's your relationship with the world. Here's your relationship with other believers. Here's uh, how you choose leaders in the church. Here's how you give and tithe. You understand what I mean? Here's how you serve. Uh, it's all laid out for us. Here's how we forgive as we've been forgiven. And the, uh, Jesus said, when He was tempted by the devil in the wilderness, and the, the devil said, if you're the Son of Man, and He was hungry, had been fasting 40 days, turn the, command that these stones be made bread. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Matthew 4.4, 4, if you're wondering where that is, it's a wonderful Scripture. Um, we're to live by the Word of God. Man is to live. We're saved by the Word, the living Word, Jesus. But once in Christ, we live by the Word. We're to live by the Word. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This new creature lives a new life. The new saved man lives a new saved life. And God prescribes both of them. God describes both of them. God instructs both of them. How do I get saved? And now that I'm saved, how do I live? And it's all laid out for us in the Word of God. His Spirit will lead me according to the Word of God. And uh, it's a life in the Spirit. It's a life laid out in the Word of God. It's abundant, eternal, and free. And at the end of this life, everything that is promised is there for us. Everything He has promised. I'll just read this Scripture. To an inheritance, Peter says, 1 Peter 1.4, we're saved to an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. That's where it's going to lead to. But y'all, as, as believers, we don't come to Christ. You don't come to, to salvation or go to heaven any way you choose. You come through the blood of the Lamb, Right? Some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, but all through the blood. We all come that one way. Every man that ever is saved will come that way. So we don't come any way we choose. We come through the blood of Christ. And then we don't live any way we choose after we're saved. We run the race that is set before us. And we run in the manner that is set before us. The Bible says that there's a way in Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seemeth right unto, the, unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. I think there's two, two in Proverbs that says the same thing. There's a way that seems right unto man. And if I start thinking it seems right as a Christian to live out in left field this way over here, come tell me I'm wrong. Come with the Word of God and say, brother, I know you're a believer, but you've gotten off track. It seems right to you, but it's not right. How do I know it's not right? Because the Word of God tells me it's not right. Because the Holy Spirit, who is my teacher, and the one that convicts me and convinces me of sin, is leading me into all truth and not to that over there. And so, uh, 
we don't just run any race that we choose. We run the race that is set before us. We keep an eye on the Lord and He's able to keep us. Amen? We have to always, I know I'm being redundant, I'm going to be closing here in just a moment, but we, we have to continually yield to one authority. Keep it simple, y'all. Keep it really simple. You have one authority to yield to, and that is your Savior. That is God. And God will line up with His Word. They're not going to be at odds. The Holy Spirit will line up with the Word of God. They're not going in three different directions. The Lord's over here, my Good Shepherd. Feel the Holy Spirit tugging me over here. The rest of the church world tugging me over there. And the Bible says to do this over here. God's not the author of confusion. Okay? He is going to lead us. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, the Good Shepherd, our Savior, our Eternal Father is going to lead us just like it says right here. The one authority you have to yield to at every turn is a fork in the road. And I'm not sure. And a lot of good people, a lot of other believers are going this way. We yield to one authority. The Lord Jesus Christ. He has magnified His Word above all His name. And we're to live by the Word of God. And uh, sanctify them by Thy truth. Thy Word is truth. And the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. So, keep that in mind. We hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. And we have to run in such a way that we hear Him. Where we're walking in the Word. Walking in the Spirit. And y'all, I'm close with this thought. We have to be patient. We're talking about how to run the race. Uh, we've got our motive established. The Lord's worth it. All the prizes, all the rewards are worth it. How do I get there successfully? Well, I have to, in addition to yielding to, to His Word and to, to, the, to the Holy Spirit's leading in my life, you and I have to be patient. Because a runner, we are not running the 100 meter dash. We are running a marathon. I know you've heard it before. And the Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. That was these other saints that have gone before us. They made it through. They're in heaven now. And they're, maybe they're watching. I don't know. But they're compassed about us. All right? Let us run how? With patience. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Tells me a couple of things. I didn't choose the race, I chose Christ. Okay, a Savior which is the right choice. But He chose the race that He set before me. And I'm to run that race, and so are you, to run the race He set before you with patience. Because it's not a sprint. Because we don't attain it all in a day. We're not going to have everything, all the eternal rewards of God by sundown tonight. Maybe. Okay? Maybe we will. If we're raptured. But the point is, it takes, it ta- takes great patience and we're talking about our manner in running and y'all there's much to be said and maybe it's because i'm getting older and prayerfully a little bit wiser in the lord but there's much to be said about the daily obedience to the lord i can't stress it to you enough getting up and living for the lord today don't bite off more than you can chew as the saying goes get up and live for jesus today why you take thought for tomorrow? Tomorrow's got enough evil and enough problems coming its way. Just live for God today. 
in the model prayer, the Lord's Prayer, it says, give us this day our day for the next 20 years. No. Give us, our, give us this day our daily bread. There's much to be said for waking up this morning and like David said, I set the Lord before me. Today. One day. You can live for God today. I can't live for day, God tomorrow until, unless He gives me tomorrow. And by the time tomorrow gets here, tomorrow will be another today. Alright? And so, there's so much to be said for putting one foot... We're running a race. It's a long race. For just getting this foot out there and the next day getting that foot out there on the right path. And if He wakes me up the next day, I'll, put, I'll set the Lord before me. And by the time we put our little head on the pillow at night and say, I set the Lord before me today. I read the Bible today. I, I walked in the light of God's Word by the grace of God today. I prayed and sought the Lord today. You understand what I'm saying? I don't care how busy you are. It's the busiest day, week, month you've ever had. We can live for God day by day. That is how we're told to, to live. And there has to be patience in that. Because it's a long time. I'm just going to read this myself, y'all, for time's sake. James says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. Fruit doesn't pop up like that. I planted a, a, a wheat seed, a grain of wheat today, and am I going to get out there and, and hover over it, wondering when I'm going to get my fruit? I mean, we know that fruit takes time. And he says, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband, that's the farmer, waits for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draws nigh. And so, part of the race, the manner in which we run, we've got the motive set, but part of that race has to be run in patience. I mean, a part of the way in which we run at the one at the top of the list, you know, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, staying in obedience to the Lord. But I have to run in a patient manner. I cannot be impatient. Um, I don't just live for God when I feel like it. That's not part of the race. Not the way we run. I don't just feel, run, uh, run the race or live for God when I feel spiritual. You have times in your life where you feel spiritual? I do. I have times in life where I feel like I literally could reach out and touch Jesus. And I have times where I feel like I'm just saying my prayers and reading my Bible and nothing really happened. But in both of those days, the just live by faith, don't they? In both of those days, we read our Bible. I've been taught in some churches, you don't do that. You don't read your Bible if you don't feel the unction of the Holy Spirit. Because then you're just doing it in your flesh. I beg to differ. You do it because God says to do it. I'm to live in His Word. He says nothing to do with my feelings. Sometimes it's a test. Are you going to keep praying when you don't feel it? Are you going to keep reading the Bible when you don't feel it? Are you going to lift your hands in the music service when you don't feel it? I want to say, yes. Yes, I am, Lord. I am. Because I'm going to live by faith. And the feelings come and go. I pray they come more than they go. But they do come and go. But He abides forever. And we're to live this, this life by faith and run with patience. I want to close with a, a couple of Scriptures. 
Romans chapter 2, it says to them who by patient continuance and well-doing. Patient continuance and well-doing. They seek for glory and honor, immortality and eternal life. That's what comes to those who by patient continuance and well-doing are going to reap. Immortality and eternal life. It has to do with our manner and how we live. Amen? How we walk with Jesus day by day. And, and I want to go back to what we opened with. We're going to back, go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So Paul, how do you run? We know why you run. You're running for the prize that's set before you. How do you run? Verse 26. 1 Corinthians 9, 26. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, that means hidden or indistinct, so fight I not as one that beats the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. You ever studied that before? What does that mean? I keep under my body. There's, there's an, a, a picture there of literally buffeting himself to keep himself from being cast away. In other words, if he's preaching to others about not fornicating or committing idolatry or not overeating or whatever, gluttony, he's, he's restraining his own body so that after he's preached that to others, he doesn't himself fall into the same sin because he's a human being too. But he says, I don't fight, uh, I don't run with uncertainty, and I don't fight as one that beats the air. Can you picture somebody just swinging at anything? I mean, they got a great motive. They want to win, but they're not fighting in the right way. Just swinging and flailing away at nothing. Um, there's a way in which we run. And it was this day-by-day manner of living as a believer that resulted in him finishing. And we'll close with this. I mentioned 2 Timothy earlier. We're going to go there now. 2 Timothy chapter 4. We all know the passage. Verse 6. 2 Timothy 4, 6. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. He knew. Okay? He knew he was going to be martyred for the Lord. I have fought a good fight. And then he says, I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me. He didn't run as uncertainty, certainly. And he didn't fight as beating the air. He ran the race that was set before him. He ran it the way God told him to run it. Doesn't mean he was sinless. It means he kept the faith. He, he finished what God had for him to do. Every one of us in this room can be exactly like Paul in that way. None of us are called to the same calling of Paul in his earthly life. But all of us can fight a good fight and finish our course and keep the faith. Everyone in here, that's what I want you to do. That's what I want to do. That's what God wants all of us to do. He wants me to finish whatever, whatever that timeline is. This is everything He's got for Randy on this life. He wants me to finish it all and then call me home. He wants to do that for your life and my life. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. It's not corruptible which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them that love His appearing. Amen? 
And I just want to close with that D. You can come. And, and y'all, two things are motive and manner. Motive and way in which we run. So run that you may obtain. Be convinced in your heart. Or let God convince you in your heart of the eternal rewards of the Lord that they're real and that they're worth it. No matter what we have to endure in this life. And go to the Lord and say, God, am I running in such a way as to be successful? Am I running the Christian race and living the Christian life in a way to obtain everything that you have for me? Not just kind of, we don't want to be just hit or miss and, and, and all over the place. Let that, let's let that be our altar call this morning till we can say, I've finished my course. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we come before You in, in Jesus' name. God, I thank You, Lord, that for every believer, there is a race that is set before us. We're to run it with patience and we're to run it by faith, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It's not a race of our choosing and it's not a way of running that we choose. You choose the race and You choose the manner in which we live day by day. And I pray that You would help us, God. And help me. I want to run successfully. So run that You may obtain. Help us to run in a way that we obtain everything that You have ordained for us to have in Christ Jesus in this life and in the life to come. Help us, Lord. From the youngest person in here to the oldest saint in here. And Lord, let us run with patience the race that You've set before us, God. In Jesus' name, thank You. Thank You that You help us. Thank You that You strengthen us. Thank You when we're too weak to run, You carry us. Thank You when we mess up, Lord, You will forgive us and get us back on the right path. Even if we've run the wrong way for a long time, in one moment, in one crying out to the Lord, You can bring us back, set our feet on the rock, and establish our goings to where it will be a successful run. Help us, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.